Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Welcome back to a Day of Prayers Morning Bible Study Podcast. We're glad you could join us and be a part of our family. Before we get in the Word, Layla, can you please pray for us? Yes, thank you. Lord, I just thank you for today and for the time that we have in fellowship in your word, Lord, and to sharpen each other and equip each other and edify them in love, Lord, with your word. And I just invite your Holy Spirit into our midst, Lord, to guide us and to teach us all things as we continue um, doing your will in the earth until our days are done, Lord. And we just glorify you and magnify your name, Lord, and hold you in the place that you are in, Lord as king and lord of everything of all creation lord and i just thank you again in jesus name amen amen and welcome we're excited to have you with us and dean welcome brother we're excited that you are and blessed and honored that you are here with us to discuss the wedding amen um so we are going to continue our study with with chapter six um before we do, Dean had... Uh, Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, yes. Mm-hmm. Dean had discussed some some interesting insight uh, from actually the last lesson that we did. So uh, I want to start off and give you the floor there, brother, so you can share that with, with all of us. Well, we were just talking about how um, the structure of authority and how important it is. And here, uh, Darius, uh, although we've acknowledged he did it in his own will and own mind, or at least it appears that way, and did not seek counsel from the Lord, um, immediately undid what he set in place with the structure by allowing the satraps to usurp the governors and come to him with their requests. His intent was to establish the satraps or the princes throughout the region to handle the affairs of the king and have the three governors um, handled 120 satraps, and this was to so no harm would come to him, and yet they come to him uh, with confusion and uh, make demands of him to make decisions now, and he allows them to do that instead of in his position of authority to identify what has happened, to take his control back that he has in the position of his authority and call it out for what it is, which is disobedience, mm-hmm. and send them away from him and then actually bring his governors in and hold them to account as to why they were unable to do their job. Mm-hmm. But he allowed it to happen. And then on top of that, he didn't bother to seek counsel of the Lord, either to begin with in setting his plans or when he comes to them. And so we, I think Kyla was just talking about, and Layla was talking about uh, last time about how the um, enemy doesn't use anything new. He's using the same old schemes and same old lies to do that. And thinking about what Darius did and us capturing everything we can, we have to purpose ourselves with intent to recognize those key things, which is, did we lose our peace? If there's tumult coming to us, there's always a chance to regain our peace. That that absence of peace is an absence of the Lord, or at least the absence of us acknowledging him Mm -hmm. and seeking him out. So I, I just... Which is something we were talking about. It's amazing how quickly he undid his own 
structure that he put in place to his own demise. And he mm-hmm. just stuck to the structure that he had created. Mm-hmm. Even if it was worldly, he would have had a much better result than what he ended up with by letting the people he put to be in charge um, not do their job and not holding them accountable to do it. Mm. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Um, and that is, again, the, the lesson for all of us to learn from. And, of course, it sets us up pretty good as we move forward into <laughs> Daniel 6 as we see the demise spiral downward. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So with that being said, we're going to continue in Daniel chapter 6. Can I get a volunteer to read from verse 10 through 17, please? I will. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his window open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks that day and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that she has signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that is the law of the Medes and Persians, that no decree or statue which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel may not be changed. Wow. (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, as is our custom, I want to open it up to you guys first to share what the Holy Spirit's ministering and speaking to you about this and ask any questions that you may have. All right? Yes. Okay. I found it interesting when the satraps again came into the presence of the king. You could also see that they manipulated him. Two ways they manipulated the king's decree. First, they, like Mr. Dean was pointing out, they usurp the authority, but they're also using it that when going to the governors, essentially, they, when you have to go through higher levels of authority, there's a chance that it may not come through. So they're using it so they can go directly to the king and make sure this happens and nothing changes and they can get the outcome that they want. So mm-hmm. they don't have to go around anybody else and it takes time to go through them and have it told correctly. And they didn't want that. They wanted to be able to spend their own uh, truths and lies essentially and they want to bring in their own facts not having an honest person tell the facts correctly and you can also see that he King Darius was again bullied when they came in saying that he, they essentially told him what he had to do and he, they were bossing him around saying 
you did this, and by the rules and customs of everybody else before you, you have to do this now. There's no uh, turning away or taking back what you have already said. Mm-hmm. And the final thing I also want to bring up is when Daniel was praying. The Lord was showing me that he was, after he was signed, he was praying that the Lord make it come to nothing. And he was praying that it all sorts itself out. Sorts itself out. And how essentially it did, as we'll get into later inside this chapter. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you, sir. It's very insightful. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna share something, Kyla? Oh yes, I agree with the Charles. Like he said, the satraps and the governors were being very manipulative and disrespectful to the king by telling the king what he's gonna do and how I find it interesting how convenient. They had a lion's den already. They had a pit for a lion's <laughs> just sitting there ready for this punishment. And they didn't have to think, what should be a proper punishment, O king? They already knew exactly what it was going to be. And you can see the king knew what the decree, what he had just signed into law was wrong. And that he shouldn't be doing that to Daniel. And what Daniel hadn't done anything wrong. But he felt pressured by his other ruling council, governing council, to continue on. And I'm sure they told him, if you don't do this, nobody's going to respect you, and everybody's just going to walk all over you. Well, so those are both great points. So let's let's look at this here a second, right? As you both pointed out, trying to manipulate the system, the structure, and the authority that was set in place over them. How did it occur? And this, as you both pointed out, they're saying, oh, you have to uphold this. This is your decree. This is your law. And yes, as you were pointing, as you stated, Kyla, saying, you have to do this. This is what you have to do because you signed this into effect. All the while, completely ignoring the fact that they had circumvented all those things to approach the king directly, circumventing the governors, the satraps, right, all that to go directly before the king, as as Dean was discussing or discussed earlier and brought up as a reminder. So, and then where was that that same, I'll say, enthusiasm for upholding the law when it pertained to them? But now trying to, if you will hypocritically hold someone else's feet to the fire and say, you have to enforce this. Right? Yes. So you see, that's what's really at the core. You have to uphold this, this law stated by people that they themselves have chosen willfully, wittingly, full, with full knowledge and intent to not follow the law. Does that not sound just like the adversary? Yes. Like saying that, I mean, as I look at this, this is exactly it. Now, unfortunately, King Darius gives in to the pressure instead of writing it. But let's, let's remember what we were just discussing. Do we see this anywhere else in Scripture? Yes. Where? Um, wait, what do you, what do you mean? How a decree is made, and people... Oh, yes, and Esther, with okay. Haman and King Xerxes. 
Mm-hmm. And when he was trying at sorry, mm-hmm. and trying to get rid of all the Israelites, anyone of Jewish descent, trying to have them hung from the gallows because he didn't like Mordecai. Absolutely. Is there another situation that you can, can think of? I mean, the prosecution of the church after Jesus. Persecution, sure. Yes. But let's let's look even even before that, right? How about the death of John the Baptist? You see the same, at the core, it's the same thing. Not his mother. Uh, He decreed that he would give whatever was asked for, right, if if this uh, woman danced for him. Yeah. Yeah. I forget the exact relationship, right? His stepdaughter. Yes. If she didn't, up to half the kingdom. And then it was, right, again, the same thing here. You have to do this or your credibility is at stake. Mm. Not completely understanding that the credibility had already been compromised, the king's credibility, because he had not upheld his own decree in the structure and enforcing the structure that had been created. And I bring this up because it's important for us to recognize this in our own lives so that we can stand for what's right. In all, each of those circumstances and situations, each of the, those people, those kings, those rulers, had the opportunity to set things right in the moment, right? To address, hey, look, this, this the mistake was actually made back here, so I'm not going to unjustly punish someone else for a mistake that I made back then. Yes, in each of those situations and circumstances, they did not correct that behavior and just kind of let things play out. And by that, I mean let the Lord intervene. And handle the situation as the Lord handles the situation. But you see this countless times throughout the word. And it's, it's important for us to recognize this. So that one, if that does happen in our lives. That we, we can understand and not be shamed or, or feel condemned. When there are people that are pushing for us to, to make a certain move or action, and trying to, I'll say, take away our credibility when actually it was already compromised before that and allow us to then take advantage of the new opportunity to restore what should have been rightfully done in the first place. Yes. Any questions on that? I want to go back to the authority thing again as well, because when we look at the scripture that tells us we're supposed to pray for those in authority over us, Mm -hmm. and that there's no one in authority over us that God has not placed there, right? So if that's true, then I have a responsibility in the authority, right? So a position of authority has responsibility to execute that authority, right? Absolutely. You talked about John the Baptist. Here's Herod was manipulated by his wife, mm-hmm. by his undue wife, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. it were, and instead of calling it out for what it is, say, no, I'm not giving you his head on a platter. Mm-hmm. You manipulated me to get to that, mm-hmm. and if you try that stunt with me again, it'll be your head on a platter. <laughs> he, he was by right to do that. You do not manipulate the king. Absolutely. You do not set out to manipulate or undermine my authority. Mm-hmm. So he failed to take that authority in it. Here's Darius the same way, failed to take the authority in it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are you guys doing? 
You started this thing about you got to come in here and you got to set up this decree for me. You know what you're supposed to be in your provinces ruling over your stuff? And now y'all are hanging out outside of Daniel's house to watch to see if you can catch him in something mm-hmm. and you're not doing your job? You better go get doing your job. Don't you come to me anymore with your stuff if you haven't done your job. Or I'll have your head and I'll put you in the lion's den. Not going to play this game on me. They, I mean, they twisted the whole thing. If we look Absolutely. at it, it's 6-2. Sorry, I did. We don't, let's not forget, as we point to this, we are also always looking to how do I do this myself? God has given us authority. That's right. How often do we allow the enemy to take dominion where he has no dominion? That's right. Where we have authority over it and we fail to speak against it with the Amen. power that God has given us to do that, right? That's right. Amen. And so, um, so we're trying to bring this up. Which is the, why we have to recognize. The, in right? the Greek. So if we look at 6.2. So mm-hmm. the original purpose for this was to not suffer loss. That's right. Exactly. And now we move down into 13, 14, where is it? Um, 14. And when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. To me, that's suffering loss. So this thing that you told me was going to come in and this plan we put in place for me not to have lost, you're twisting to bring loss and to rest on me. You're making me lose time and you're making me lose my emotional state mm-hmm. because of the way you've manipulated these things. And Why peace. did he call them out on it, right? I mean, so... But instead he's allowing himself to be called out by not just taking the authority that's been given to him by the Lord in his place and position as the king. We, as believers, mm-hmm. have the authority, or as many say, there's the authority of the believer, and we have that in Christ. In Those name. that are walking right. in Christ in a personal, deep, and intimate relationship with him as joint heirs of him, mm-hmm. we have authority ourselves. We have to take, i say, our rightful place. Paul says, we're seated in the heavenly places with Christ. What better place is there to be besides that? But we have to take that place. And I don't mean by force, if you will, right? But it is coming into that knowledge and understanding that, no, that is our place, and it's already been given. So I can freely go and sit there in heavenly places with Christ. Mm-hmm. And that, changes, that should change the whole perspective of how we view each thing, not discounting. By any stress of the imagination, the Holy Spirit that's there to minister and speak with us and, and convict us of wrongdoing, right? Also, in, in comforting us and encouraging us and equipping us to come under His Lordship and to speak what He is leading us to speak and do what He's leading us to do. We have to do all those things. That's obedience. But also, it's, it's a reestablishing and, and I'll say righting wrongs, if you will, as we were talking about. He allowed himself to be well, hypocritically and twistingly, right, deceptively called out or taken to task, if you will, instead of doing what's right and just, which was to call out the issue or the issues in this situation and then writing them. Well, it all began in his flesh when he sought to please himself by doing the whole thing to begin with. Mm-hmm. The other Absolutely. part of this is also for us not to be surprised mm-hmm. at what's happening in our own life and then being prepared to take that authority back because mm-hmm. God's going to get the glory, right? So Amen. backing up to three, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators of Satan by his exceptional qualities, mm-hmm. right, that the king was going to send him over the whole kingdom. This is what drew the attention 
of the all the other sea traps and governors who now plotted against him. Absolutely. So there's a uh, I, I was told it's a Chinese proverb. I don't know if it really is, but I, I like it. It sets sets a, a good understanding. It says the tallest nail gets the hammer. Mm-hmm. And so the implication of that is is we don't want to stick our neck out. Right, we don't want to raise our head up above the rest of those in the crowd because we're the ones that's going to get the attack. We're the ones that's going to get pounded. We're the ones that's going to get the hammer. But quite the contrary, here, the, the what we're seeing is is that we should be standing out as exceptional above others, and we shouldn't be surprised that this brings scrutiny and attack upon us. Because ultimately, where did it lead? Back to the glorification of God in Absolutely. this, and that those that were others that were standing by watching actually decided to give God glory for it and sought to be better into his presence by the way that we lived mm-hmm. for the ones that he is calling. So the evil ones are going to be evil. We can't change that. We can, we'll go but on we can't. Back to our authority. We can't diminish our authority and our obedience to the one who's in authority over us in doing the things that are right, even if it does draw attention to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. the Lord had already stated that attention would be drawn to them, right? In the beginning of Daniel, he says that what? Daniel and his companions were found ten times more knowledgeable, wise. All those things are stated in there, which, as you, you were getting at with your with the Chinese proverb, if you will, right, that they rise above everything else, right? There's the saying, the cream always rises to the top, right? What's good, what, what's the best, always comes up. It is the most easily recognizable. You can mm-hmm. spot it from far away. And Daniel in this is just remaining in his rightful place, the place that the Lord put him in. Mm-hmm. So he is, is, as you were saying, um, Dean, it's not, uh, he shouldn't be surprised when attacks, and that's for all of us, came his way or come our way when we're following the Lord. We, we should not. Why? Because that's the whole plan and purpose of the enemy, of Satan, of the adversary, of the evil one, however you want to phrase it. He is the accuser of the brethren. Mm -hmm. And you see all these people, unfortunately, the satraps and all that, right, usurped everything in an attempt to lay a foundation in a trap, accuse Daniel, in an attempt to throw him off, get him out of his rhythm, out of his norm, and his relationship with the Lord. This is, I think, the, the greatest thing and a key point that you see in Daniel, in verse 10, he knew the writing was signed, right? And what did he do? He went to his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, and he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks to God. But this is the key part, right? As was his custom since early days. What does that tell us? He's been doing it from the start. He is staying, remaining consistent. In his walk and everything with the Lord, no law, no right is going to change how he approaches his relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. He's remaining consistent, steadfast, faithful, which is how we all are to be, regardless of what is, is said or done. It wasn't a um, trying to be arrogant or rebellious against 
laws, right? But the law that was passed did not line up with the laws and the things of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he was not going to allow the compromise his relationship, as you saw from the beginning of Daniel. We don't want to defile ourselves. We don't want to ruin that relationship with the Lord. There, Daniel and his companions' relationship. But that should be this, and uh, I'll say a, a key thing that we apply in our lives. Mm-hmm. It's not about being rebellious, right? We honor those in power and authority. But again, you see this throughout Scripture. Kyle, you brought up Esther and what happened there. And they could not allow the things, the decrees made, to change or compromise their relationship with the one true God. They refused. And that's how we should be. Unwavering in our our faith, our belief, and our relationship. Mm-hmm. Any other questions or comments on that? On any of that? Or anything else that anyone else wants to share? I have something I want to share. Or I promise. Go for it, sir. Kind of like and I noticed this inside the chapter that one of the subtraps and the governors accused Daniel about praying to his God. I noticed it didn't say that they put away their own gods. And it does not say that. I noticed that they didn't if they made the decree for it to it to be true and not to accuse Daniel, a whole bunch of people would have Gone to the lion's den. Because it says nowhere inside the Bible as I read that the king made a decree that all the idols and gods should be put away. And we know that Belshazzar, yeah, Belshazzar had a whole, the king that got killed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Had a whole bunch of them. He, he spoke concerning them. It doesn't say that he had a little, uh, any kind of Statue graven of images or st- statues type things. It just, he he prayed to them or he praised the God of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. Uh, I think I know what you're saying, sir, right? Because the name that they gave Daniel, Belteshazzar, right? King Nebuchadnezzar said it, he was named after his God mm-hmm. prior to, of, of course, Nebuchadnezzar's coming to the Lord, right? And then his son's name is very similar. Belshazzar, not Belteshazzar, but Belshazzar. So you, I, I see what you're getting at, the similarity mm-hmm. in names. So yeah, that's, that's a good observation, sir. Go ahead. What else do you have to say, my love? And that they weren't telling each other in or looking at each other and going, hey, but what are this satrap guy who was worshiping Let's say some random god, mm-hmm. a rock. Mm-hmm. So you're you're again pointing out, as I understand what you're saying, pointing out the hypocrisy of or it continued hypocrisy in every aspect. Mm-hmm. So this again, they were initially, or I'll say, it was twofold. They were always targeting Daniel, laying a foundation to bring an accusation or set a trap. But then in so doing, they were also hypocritical of the laws and rules under the under the king, mm-hmm. King Darius. Is that right? Yes. Okay. 
Just want to make sure I'm I'm tracking with you, sir. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I've I've enjoyed everything, and I want to add to it kind of a different um, side of it for us as believers. We've we've already covered. We discussed that the enemy is who he is. He brings mm-hmm. accusa- accusations in an attempt to steal, kill, and destroy. That that's the whole scene. But how does the believer respond to it? How should we perceive it? Should it be a time for us to get upset and bent out of shape and bemoan the activities of the wicked one and people that choose to cooperate with him? Should we be upset with them and angry and unforgiving? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely. We should look unto the author and finisher of our faith. We should look unto God who always leads us in triumphant processional. Because that's who God is. Um, as we were looking at the um, the Bible study beforehand, the beginning parts of chapter six, the the similarities between Daniel and Job are are very evident. And um, even though it was literally the enemy that we saw coming to God in Job, and these are people. Um, pestering or persisting to work, be cooperative with the enemy. It's still the same thing. And, you know, it talks about the only accusation that we're going to be able to bring to, against him is in, is concerning his God, because otherwise he's blameless. He's faultless. He's He has, um, because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Mm-hmm. But our God does not change. And his goal, we've already discussed in in previous times that he doesn't even allow a test to come to us unless we're able to win, to triumph over it. He doesn't um, put us somewhere that we're not equipped to handle. And, and God doesn't just believe in us barely scraping across the line, you know, dragging in, barely finishing. He likes us to come in strong and fully triumphant in each occasion. So as a believer, when, when things start rising up against you, don't start shaking your head and, and, you know, bowing over in uh, sadness concerning it, put your eyes on Jesus because he's got a, he's got a reward for you on the other side. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying it's a million dollars and a, a fancy mansion and cars and all that. And I'm not saying it's not God has what he has for you, but know that his, he has an expected end for us. That's good. So if the enemy's coming, first of all, you're able to prevail, not in your own flesh, not in your strength or ability, but in the strength that comes from God and trusting and relying upon and dependence on his word, you are able to triumph. So set your focus on that. It's already, the battle's already been won for you. So I'm going to win because God is with me. And then also know that God wants to reward you. We have to qualify for the blessing. And sometimes when we come into Christ, we don't think that there's going to be opposition to us because Of course, we came out of the world. Things should be good now. We shouldn't be struggling anymore. But that's not what we see in demonstration throughout the scripture. Jesus, who is the Messiah, he's God, king of everything, was still tested. He had to qualify for his blessing to be exalted and established in his place, right? That was rightfully his from the beginning. But he still, when he came into his earthly ministry, he still had to qualify for that. How do you qualify? By being obedient. It's not about Amen. how many times you give away your goods. It's not about earning it with uh, works, but it's by you qualify for it by obedience and following through with what God has asked you to do. We see that with oh, cool. consistent 
We demonstrated faithfulness to the Lord. That's right. We see that with Abraham. We see that with Isaac. We see that all the way through the scriptures. And we actually we see that with our own Lord and Savior, mm-hmm. who though he was God, when he had cried um, and he was asking God to, if you can, if there's another plan, another way, you can take this cup for me. But the Bible says that he still learned obedience through his sufferings. He went through the process and as such that qualified him to become the heir of all the world that qualified him to become our high priest, our great high priest mm-hmm. and our intercessor and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And to be returned name above every name. Amen. So as a believer, when it comes and I, I understand nobody likes to be talked about, it hurts. Um, it, it's, it stings that flesh. Nobody likes to have people lie about you or um, act wickedly towards you or plan and plot to do you harm. Nobody likes that. But put your focus on Jesus Christ, that way you're able to stand and endure. Because no matter how hard it is for us, it was it does not even compare to what the difficulty was for Jesus Christ. So don't don't grow mm-hmm. weary in the enduring and don't lose focus and lose sight on what this is really about and who your salvation lies in. Don't don't get mistaken on that. But instead press in. Press in, listen more intently to the voice of God and trust him and speak well of him in your mind and in your thoughts. And when you mutter and meditate Amen. on your on your um, in your own time, speak well of him. We see Daniel going up to the his his upper room, as was his custom toward um, and opened his win- windows towards Jerusalem. And he prayed and gave thanks. So we know what he was talking about. He wasn't going, God, why you always put me here? This is the, this is the third time I've come in this kingdom since we've been here. There, you know, He wasn't grumbling about how, how many times he had been in this similar position before, but instead he was thanking God. That's significant. If you compare it to the children of Israel coming out of, the, out of Egypt, they murmured and complained against God, and their words were stout against him. They accused him and they blamed him. Whereas this young man, or he's a man now, I'm sure, this man is thanking God. For what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> he was grateful. He found gratitude in the smallest thing to the greatest thing. It really doesn't matter. But he honored God in what he did. Neither did he draw back from his pursuit of Jesus, from his pursuit of his heavenly father. And neither did he grumble and complain against him. So he qualified for the next phase, the next echelon of um authority or, or whatever it is that God wanted to reward him with, he, he passed that test. And if there's no options, there's no test. There's no choice. If there's, mm-hmm. there's not a chance to do something different, you really don't have a choice. So be prepared, believer. <laughs> Recognize it when it comes, but be prepared. Understand we have an adversary and this is what he does. Be prepared to triumph because God has already prepared you. And if you don't know that you're prepared, it's a good chance to get in the word and find out what God says. Find out what the armor of God is. Find out who you are in Jesus Christ. Find out God's call and plan for your life and stand on it. Exactly. Trust him. Increase and then, your faith. Absolutely. he moves us from victory to victory. Amen. It's only found in him. Not of our own works, our own plans, our own deeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, just from our discussions here, the, I mean this week, but just in the past couple of days, Really, our own plans don't work, but we can trust the Lord and his plans, plans for for our good, not our harm, to prosper us and give us a future and a hope. 
Amen. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Anyone have any other comments? No. No? no? Okay. So in your personal time, go back, excuse me, go back and read Hebrews chapter 5 and look at verses 7 through 11 in particular and encourage yourself, encourage yourself in the Lord if you're going through any hard testing. And even if you're looking at the, the country that you live in and go, God, all these wicked things are going on, these things are rising up, how do we deal with it? Come back into the word. Come back up on, unto Jesus Christ and, and see his character and his nature. When Absolutely. wickedness abounds, when evil abounds, grace that does that much more abound. So we know the grace of God. Mm-hmm. If things are looking really rough around you, then you trust in the word of God and know that there's grace. There's much more grace abounding towards you. And go ahead and step into that grace. And you step in by faith and get in that flow with Jesus Christ and put your trust in him. Absolutely. Any any other comments or questions? I was just going to say ditto to what you said and just usher that in with praise. Amen. Amen. Like grumbling. That's right. Make sure of praise. And then um, since we talk so much about authority, at least for me and maybe for somebody else listening, um, assess your own self. Uh, ask the Holy Spirit to shine a light in areas where you may have relinquished authority that you need to take back. Amen. But be careful to ask him for that because just because you lost it doesn't mean you're supposed to take it back now. So ask for his timing in that. But assess your own life. Where have you given up authority, mm-hmm. if you have? And what does God want you to do about that Amen. so that you can regain that? Because he's given you authority in areas of your life. And so make sure you search those out. That's right. It's never too late to get in the flow of God, his grace, his perfect will and provision for you. And like you said, exercise sound wisdom, the wisdom of God, in proceeding. But when you put your trust in him, put your hand in his hand Amen. and follow where daddy goes. Follow where God most high is leading. If, when he says, take a step, take it. If he says, be still, be still, just be right in step with him. So thank you, Dean. I love that. That's wise, wise counsel. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, let's pause there for today. Um, any, anyone volunteers to close out in prayer? I will. All right, Kyla. In your name, Lord Jesus, so we just thank you for today, God, and we thank you for the territory that you've given, and we take it back by faith, God, and we declare it good in what you're doing as good God because you're kind and you're a merciful God but you're also just you'll deal with everything in your timing God there's nothing that escapes you Lord we just thank you for moving in our midst God for restoring balance to our world God we thank you for those that you set in authority God and we ask that you You have your will with them, God, and that you work on our behalf, God, and you minister and you soften their hearts, God. Mm-hmm. We ask you to keep our partners and our listeners, God, that you sharpen their mind, that you quicken them up and you gird their waist and coat them in your love and your armor, God. Allow them to stand. Allow them to be courageous. Lord, we just pray over every area concerning them, God. Their houses, their family, their finances, their lives, God. We ask that you keep them, God, as we know you so faithfully we will do. And we just thank you in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Bye.
Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.